This is the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. It's so good to worship with you guys. Uh, I missed having us all together. And so just for the last couple of weeks, I want to let you guys know that it's been super fun to just be here with you guys and like just hang out um, to worship with you, for us to all be in here, um, ninth through 12th grade. Like this is us. This is high school men. This is, this is GSM. This is us. Uh, we get to hang out in here and, and just get into God's word. We get to worship together. We get to be in each other's lives. Um, something that I was thinking about the other day, I was talking to Brittany, uh, my wife, and, and we, we were like looking back. Do you guys ever get sucked down like just like a hole of like old pictures where like all of a sudden you just like start scrolling back? This, we, I don't know, it was like Friday afternoon and we just started like scrolling backwards and looking and checking and being like, oh, like, look, remember this, blah, blah, blah. And then we got back to this post um, where Brittany had shared like seven years ago that uh, seven years ago, April, um, I started here, like I started working here. Uh, which would have been for you seniors, uh, you were like just finishing uh, fifth grade. So think back to your fifth grade selves and just like think about how cool you were and like well put together and like totally not awkward looking. Um, Some of you are still working on getting out of that stage and it's okay. Like don't, it'll happen. Your day will come. It's, it's, don't worry. But I'm still working on it too. Um, I just was thinking about how God just, like, continues to work, like, throughout time and, like, throughout our lives and just continues to, like, put different people in our lives at just the right moment. Um, And so my prayer, even just, like, for the last couple of days is that um, as, like, as I'm in here and as Betsy's in here and as you guys filter through uh, high school over the next couple of years and even over the next couple of months— um, that, that this time in here would just be so good for us, that we'd be able to be in each other's lives, encourage each other, um, laugh with each other, cry with each other, and just, just be, um, be people who are on mission uh, to build God's kingdom together and figuring out what that looks like, as bumpy as that feels sometimes, um, but like coming with honest questions, um, that we would be honest and vulnerable and, and, and real. Uh, and so I just like, that's my hope for us in here um, that as, as we do this together every Sunday, um, again, that, that we would push forward God's kingdom and that we wouldn't show up and just like pretend to just know everything and have it all together because uh, I think that that would be uh, a disservice to our friends and, and to ourselves as well. So with that being said, uh, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the book of Titus. We are going to wrap up uh, our time in Titus. We're in chapter three today. Um, if you have your actual Bible, Titus is like towards the back of the New Testament. Um, it's really tiny. It's only three chapters, so it's like a page and a half. And if you flip past it, um, that's not uncommon. But it's with all the other T's. So if you get to like Timothy and Thessalonians, Titus is like right there at the back. So, and if you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. So just a heads up. Uh, and if you've got it on your phone, it's like way easier because you probably just clicked on the word and you're already there. So... Uh, Titus chapter 3. So let me just kind of like remind us of, of where we've been uh, for the first two chapters. Again, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul to a guy named Titus. Titus is not the place, um, but Titus is like, he's a dude that Paul uh, was doing ministry with. And he's like, hey, this island of Crete, 
That's where, they're, that's where Titus is at here. Um, the island of Crete, they call them Cretans, which is also where we get that word from because these people were well, well known to be liars and kind of like slimy and like kind of not so nice. And so when everybody's like, you're a Cretan, like, like we all call each other these days. Um, <laughs> we don't. Uh, anyways, <laughs> I don't know why that was so funny to me. I laugh at myself a lot. So that's where we get the word from. But Titus is here, and he's trying to help this, like, new baby church, basically, these baby churches here on the island of Crete. Christianity and the church, it's very, it's very new still um, as they're going around. And so with that, again, there's false teaching that's, like, coming into play here. There's people who are claiming to be leaders in the church but are actually preaching something different, or they're like, hey, I'm a leader, or, like, I'm a part of the church. And what they're really trying to do is just kind of, like, line their pockets with cash, um, and their whole goal, it says in chapter one, is actually money. Um, and so Titus is like, hey, we need to put new leaders in here and get these other guys out. So he, he says, hey, here's the criteria for leaders. And then he's also saying in chapter two that Betsy walked through last week, hey, this is what a, a good Christian household should look like. This is what it looks like to be different in the midst of culture. So that this would be kind of, this, this household, this family unit would be this like shining example for what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. And so Betsy talked through that last week. And the whole, the whole point here is that this right teaching or this right way of living um, would first be seen in our, in our own homes. Um, and so that's kind of where he starts. And then chapter three that we're going to get into today, he, he expands on that. And then it's more not just, hey, now, now figure out your house. Now it's like, hey, in the public square or in the public eye, this is how we are supposed to live. And so really kind of the, the title of, of today's message is just do what is good. Um, that might even be the, the header in, in your script in your Bible if you've got it, um, but I just, I feel like it's so true, and what we're going to look at here, this is just really important for us to get our minds around, that as we, as we live our lives out in front of people, um, and if we say, hey, I'm a Christian, or like, I'm a follower of Jesus, right, our lives should be different, and, and we should be fueled by the gospel and by the, the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, um, and not just like trying to get brownie points or like, hey, this is, I'm doing this so that I can gain something from someone else or, right, all of that. As we, as we dig into this today, this is, this is kind of like the main thing that I thought in my brain. I will never, I will say this till the day that I die, I will never put a bumper sticker on my car, ever, all right? I just like, I think it looks, I don't like, I like how it's clean when there's nothing back there. I'm like, I don't, no bumper stickers. But I always laugh like, there are some people who have, they're not just, like, bumper stickers. It's, like, like life-defining bumper stickers. That it's, like, they slap it on the back, and it's, like, I want everybody to know at the red light who's behind me, this is what I'm all about. Not only do I have a family, but they're Star Wars characters, and we love Star Wars, and we've got three kids and a dog. Like, I want everyone to know. Some of you are riding in that van home later, all right? It's out there. I've seen it. So, <laughs> it's, like... Or, uh, or you've got things on there, like uh, you have bumper stickers that, like, you know the angry bumper stickers? Like, they, that, like, I drive up behind somebody, and like the bumper sticker, bumper sticker that's like, it's got like a swear on it, a swear, a cuss. Like, it's, like, it's like just angry. And I'm like, why are you so angry? Like, I'm immediately anxious when I get up behind them, or I'm like, I don't want to like mess with this person, or like make them upset, because they already feel like they just live their life upset. And so... It's like, I just need to, 
But there's other stickers too that like really show you like who somebody is or what it is. But the thing that I get like the most nervous about uh, when I see bumper stickers is like the little Jesus fish. Cause I'm like, oh man, I hope that person drives like super great today. Like, because there's so many times, I can't tell you how many, I probably, I can't even count how many times, and maybe it's cause I'm a bad driver, but I've been, I've literally been told I was number one, not, by, not with this finger. Um, I've been flipped off by people with the Jesus fish on the back of their car. And I'm just like, come on. And, and it's just like, we laugh because it's funny. But like, there's something to be said there that there's this, there's this example then if we claim, like if we're going to throw that sticker on the back of, their, back of our car, we better drive like two miles an hour under the speed limit like every single time. And we better stop at all the stop signs completely. And we better make sure that whenever you're driving, that you're not like laying on the horn Whenever, like, the old lady in front of you won't go as fast as you want, all right? I have never experienced that. I've never, never accidentally been upset when I drive, ever. Um, so, I have. It's, a, I, it's me. Um, so, as we, as we go and we live our lives, right, like, if, if we're going to walk out of this building even on Sunday morning and say, I am following Jesus— like, I love, I love Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I'm a kingdom worker. I'm all that. That whenever we go out of this place, um, there should be something different about us. All right? Like a good different. And so we're going to look at that today in Titus 3. So let's just jump right in um, and see what Paul is laying out to Titus uh, and encouraging him. Now, remember, this is in the middle of the letter, and he just, like, he starts to get after it here immediately. So Titus 3, verse 1. Here's what he says. He says, remind the believers. So again, remember, this is to believers. So if you're sitting in here and you're like, I am a follower of Christ, this is specifically to you, all right? Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. So this right here, these first two verses, I feel like I I wish that I could have like plastered this in front of like not only like my eyes, but all of our eyes like for the last year, all right? Remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. We should be model citizens, We should be obedient, but ready to do what is good. And then verse 2, they must not slander anyone, all right? Check your socials there. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. That's another thing that we love to do. We love to argue with people about things on the internet because they're wrong, and I have to argue with them. Remember, they must not slander anyone, and they must avoid quarreling. Instead, They should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Man, if I could have just put that out in front of us, not just this past year, but this morning, even more so, this is big for us. That if we want to walk out of here and we say, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is the way that I should be living. I mean, even if if this is, if that's the one, if I ended right there and we're done, go be gentle and be, be humble to everyone that you meet, regardless of where they stand on an issue, regardless of if they think differently or look differently or act differently, go be gentle and humble 
Like, that's Jesus. So immediately, this is how he sets them apart. Look different. Be different. Be a model citizen. Even that, that the rulers and those who are in charge, would, it would be like a pleasure to be around you. That it would be good to be around you. That they know that, oh man, I know that my day is going to be easier because this person loves Jesus. And so this is just going to be like a totally different experience for me. And I would, I would say that we have to be careful with that. Because I, I would say just on the side, um, whenever I was a server, when I worked at Olive Garden... So, again, just living it up on breadsticks and Andy's mints. Um, so many mints. Whenever I was there, do you know what the worst day was for servers? It was Sunday. Sunday afternoon, right around 12 to 1.30. What happens on Sunday morning that a lot of people leave and go to lunch afterwards? This. The worst time to be a server was Sunday afternoon from 12 to 1.30 because the church people showed up. That's me being totally honest. Whenever we saw the cars roll in, nice clothes come in, we knew where they were coming from, we knew that we were either going to get a really stinky tip, they were going to complain a whole lot, and they were going to be the hardest people to take care of. That's us. The only way that that is fixed is we make sure that we take care of ourselves and our own hearts first. That wherever you go, that we would be humble and gentle, that we, it would be pleasant to be around us. It would be good to be around people who love Jesus. Watch yourself. Even in restaurants, it's a small thing, but I'm telling you, Christians have a stigma at restaurants because we are needy and whiny and complaining, and it's dangerous. If then we're like, love Jesus. My favorite thing was whenever I got, uh, instead of somebody tipping me, they gave me a track about how to follow Jesus, like while I was in school to like be a pastor and stuff. And I was like, thanks, this doesn't help me because I need like gas money. But thanks for that. So you can give them the gospel, but also make sure to take care of their needs as well. That's how it works. So we continue on verse three. He reminds us, right? So it's like, be gentle and show humility to everyone because of this. Verse three, at one time, we too were foolish. He's like, don't forget where you came from. We were disobedient. We were deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Like, don't forget where you came from. The minute that you lose out on the fact that you have also been saved and rescued, from your own sin, pride shoots up and you think you're better than other people and you see yourself as different and elevated than those around you and, and all of a sudden they just become this other rather than those who are in need of love and care and Jesus. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other, but, verse four, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Like this is straight up the gospel. Verse six, by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope 
of eternal life. Like if you need a a short three-verse snippet of what is the gospel, that's it. Four to seven. Paul lays it out beautifully here to Titus in a reminder of we need to be different and don't forget what you have been rescued from. That's why we tell each other our stories. That's why we get baptized out in front. We want to show people what Jesus has done in our own hearts. We want to tell other people what he's done in our own lives and our lives should look different and we should be changed by him. We should be different because of what he's done. And then we remember where we came from and then we go and we look for people who are just as desperate and broken as we once were and are in need of Christ. He lays out this beautiful picture of the gospel. And then he continues on in verse 8. He says, of the gospel he just presented, he said, This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. So there's kind of like the crux of, of this chapter here. This is a trustworthy saying. He's talking about the gospel. Like, this is true. And so I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust God will devote themselves to doing good. The reaction to the gospel is not, I'm saved, yay, I don't have to tell anyone, or now I can just kind of be on my own. The reaction is, look what Jesus has done for me, and I need to go and share this with my friends, and I need to look different, I need to be different, I need to be light in dark places, I need to be be salt in a world that is dying and decaying. We need to be different says, these teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Everyone. And so then here, I love this next section in verse 9. That's what he says. He says, don't get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. So let me stop right there. Let me tell you this. We have um, a, a problem sometimes, and I would say that I have this problem as well. Sometimes we get really, really caught up in, in biblical issues or ideas that are not primary to the gospel. And what I mean by that is we, we believe in the gospel, right? That Jesus is who he says that he is. He came and lived a perfect life. He died to pay the penalty of our sin, rose from the dead, so that we could also then live again with him forever. That's it. There are a lot of other things that we see in Scripture that are not primary to the gospel of, of being rescued and saved. They are secondary issues that are, are good things for us, like uh, ways to live our life and how that we should then live in result of the gospel. Or there's ideas in Scripture that we see that are like, well, at the very beginning in Genesis— Genesis 1, is it seven literal days? Is it just like seven kind of long days? What is that? And, like, and we can have really good discussions and talk about those things. But if you make your whole life about, is Genesis 1 seven literal days? And I'm not saying yes or no to either. And uh, you guys are probably, you're already like your brains are working and they're flaring up and all of this. But I would say, like, if that's, if that's like the main thing that you're focused on, and you're like arguing about that with other Christians, back and forth, like, blah, blah, blah. And like, this person over here needs food and help. Like, come on, over here. Like, eyes here. Look here. This, yes, good conversation, sharpening good conversation. But this, the gospel. He's saying, 
to Titus. Paul is writing and he's saying, like they, as they're living their lives out in front of people, like they've got to be doing good and, and don't let these smaller, minor conversations that even like you guys are arguing amongst yourselves, let that take away from the fact that there are people who are broken and hurting and need of care and even just basic needs like a shelter and food and water. Like don't miss that. Because you can argue about those issues and all that till kingdom come until Jesus comes back. But he's going to come back and then there's all these people that we've forgotten about. And I would say that he's more worried over here. So be careful. Don't get involved in foolish discussions. Just be careful. And then verse 10, he says, If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing more to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sin condemns them. He, he's talking about like, we need to know when to disengage from certain conversations. There are people who, who claim Christ they will run you ragged with their conversations and the things that they think are important. And again, we're going to miss those who are in need of Jesus because we're so worried about all of these other things. I can't tell you how many emails or other things that like Pastor Mike gets on a weekly basis that like the music is too loud, the music is too quiet, I liked the way that this person was dressed from the front, I didn't like the way that this person was dressed from the front, I thought about this, we should be doing this. Like, and there's all of these things that like, he's getting hit with on like, a regular basis, and, and like, he's trying to like, care for people and, and teach, teach God's word and make sure that he's like, on the right track. And if he spent all his time answering this and doing all these other things, he would never get to the important stuff. And so again, be careful in your own lives that you're not somehow picturing yourself as like Jesus's lawyer on the internet. I'm serious. Be careful. Like, you know who you are, if that's you. Like, you love a good debate. That's even what we want to call it online. Man, I'm telling you, it is like, you are, you're not Jesus's lawyer. Like, and, and it's good to speak truth into things, but also like, Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. He, he's a big boy. He can handle himself. He's Jesus, all right? You speak truth into the places that need truth, and you do it with gentleness and humility, even in social spaces and online. So important. We need to be careful. Jesus does not call us to get the last word in on his behalf. So watch yourselves and watch your hearts. He says, give him a first and second warning in the middle of 10. And he says, after that, have nothing more to do with them, for people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sin condemns them. And then he closes the book like this, starting in verse 12. He says, I'm planning to send either Artemis or Tychicus to you. That's a great name. Uh, somebody named their kid that. I don't know, somewhere, probably. Poor guy. As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet Nicopolis. It's probably his brother. For I have decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything that you can to help Zenus, the lawyer. This guy actually is a lawyer, so. And Apollos with their trip. See that they're given everything that they need. And this is, I love this, verse 14. Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. Verse 14. 
Our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. So almost better phrased, learn to do good by practicing doing good. What a weird idea that you would get better at something by doing it. So strange. Um, Like, if you see somebody who needs help or is just having a rough day or needs a smile or an encouragement, anything that they need, like, do good to them. Like, love them. Care about them. Ask them if they need anything even. Even if they're like, no, I'm okay. You asking and checking in with them is kind. And that's Jesus-like. That if we go out and we're called to do good, the only way that you get better at doing good is by doing good. Like, and it's, it feels oddly simple because it is. Do good and get better at doing good by practicing doing good. Then they will not be unproductive. He closes it. Everybody here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. And so Paul wraps up this book to Titus again with these beautiful examples of what a leader looks like in the church, what a house that is following after Jesus should look like, where it's about loving one another and it's caring for each other's needs in order that you can have a a witness with your neighbors. And then when you're out in public, that we would do good, that Christianity, that following Jesus would be attractive. That's an odd concept for our culture. That like somehow that the idea of following Jesus, of being a Christian, would be attractive. Because imagine you come from a household where all mom and dad do is yell and fight. Maybe they're not even together anymore. They've got issues. And their issues have now trickled down to you. And you guys, you feel like every night, somebody, there's just tension is like, it's here. It's, it's in the red every night. You don't know who's going to start yelling, but you know someone is. And it's going to get real bad soon. And you live in that every single night. Maybe every day your dad comes home, he's trying to figure out where he's going to find money to put food on the table. Maybe over the course of the last year, even one of your parents lost their jobs. They're trying to figure out what they're doing, and so tensions are high. And, and I'm telling you, if we live in a space where God is not present, we're at each other's throats, and it's, it's brutal, and we put each other down, and there's no love. We don't care for each other, and, and we're all about ourselves, and we're looking after our own needs rather than each other. And, and you come out of that, and, and imagine walking into a house where there is just unconditional love poured out from both mom and dad and the kids, like even though they're trying to figure it out, like they're listening or, or, or they're saying like they care for one another, that like brother and sister or both brother, like it's not a wrestling match every night over the things that they want and nobody's getting beat up, like and they're not using words in harmful ways like to, to tear each other down. They're not trying to ruin each other's lives. Like that, that a house that loves Christ, it would be different. And so that if you're coming out of this space where all you know is people lying to you, manipulating you, and using you, you go to this space where they only want to build you up, encourage you, and show you love and care and and meet your needs, like that's attractive. 
That's what I would want to be a part of. That is what I would want. That Whenever I think about going home, I get excited to see my family and not the other way around. And the way that we make our households like that is, again, it starts with you. It starts with me. It starts with us. We have to model this. We have to show this at home. We have to be careful. And then even in the public square that people would see an attractive Jesus. Not that we would make Christianity something that it is not. We do not lie about the truth of the gospel. We do not make things up or try to take pieces out of scripture so that others may feel good about their sin or the things that they struggle with. We don't do that. But it's God's grace in the midst of our, of our struggle and our sin that that is the true good news. That's what people are in desperate need of. And again, I would ask you this question as we get close to wrapping up. Do, do people know you by what you hate or the things that you love? Do people know more about what you hate because that's all that you talk about? Or do they know you by the things that you love or the people that you love? The things that you care for, the things that Jesus has done for you? Do people know you by what you love or what you hate? It's important. This whole letter here, as Paul wraps it up, He's not calling the the Christians who live on the island of Crete to start a culture war with those around them. He's, He's calling them to live amongst them and to be light and be different. Not to rail on them or or say things about them in ways that pull them away from the gospel. He's calling them to love them and to be light. So I would ask you, as you leave this place and as you go to where you are going to go, whether it's even this afternoon or tomorrow morning, like think the next 24 hours. We learn to do good by doing good. So what's one good thing that you can do in the next 24 hours? I'm serious. Think about that right now. What's one good thing? Like if that would be my encouragement and my message to you every single week even, that in the next 24 hours, what's one good thing you can do? where instead of maybe thinking of yourself, you think about somebody else. You look to help. You offer to make dinner tonight. Your parents would lose their minds. One good thing. It's easy, small, very simple. One good thing. What's one good thing that you can do in the next 24 hours so that we can go and be light in whatever situation we find ourselves? And if you're in here this morning and you're like, man, my house doesn't look like that. Like, my house is a mess. My family's a mess. My, I'm, my life is a mess. Whether you, whether you know Jesus and your life is a mess, or whether you don't know Jesus and your life is a mess, I can tell you there's grace for you. And he loves you. And he cares for you. He sees you in the midst of this. And if you need anything, I'm serious, you let me know and I'll help you. I'll do whatever I can. Your leaders will do whatever they can. Your friends in here will do whatever they can. Again, this is, we have to do this together. If we don't, then I think that we failed. It has to be us helping each other. It has to be us looking to do one good thing to the person sitting right next to us. That's how we live this out.
That's how Paul's words to Titus live in us today. Look for those spots. Let me pray for us as the band comes up. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, for the way that you love us, for the way that you're so patient with us. God, I think about all the times even in my life that I've screwed up and messed up. God, where I've thought of myself, where I, God, where I've failed. And I think about your gospel and I think about the truth of how you still love me. I pray for the person even that's in this room this morning that maybe they feel like this last week, that they just, they feel like they screwed up, God. They feel like they, they let you down somehow or, or that they, they failed. God, maybe they, they made a decision that it's just been on their mind constantly. They can't stop thinking about it. God, you, would you remind them this morning of your grace? Would you remind them of, of the love that you have for them that regardless of the depth of their sin, of their mistakes, of their words, God, that you love them dearly. God, you desire a relationship with them. You desire to be near them and with them. And I pray that because of your gospel, God, that as we leave this place and as we go out from here, that we would learn to do good in your name. Not for our own sake, God for the good of the gospel and to be kingdom workers. We love you and we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the Green Student Ministries High School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries.